Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Well, we're going to talk today about something that has swept the country in these last couple of weeks and is apparently (laughs) going to still have lasting effects, Um, and that is lottery fever, or to be more specific, Powerball fever. Um, The country was quite, you would think... (laughs) You would think there was nothing else going on in this world other than who had the winning Powerball tickets. And, um, and of course, as, at least as far as I know, as of this morning, um, there only one of the three Powerball winners, the grand winners, uh, has come forward so far. Um, presumably the others are lawyering up and so on and, and CPAing up. Um, but... But certainly this lottery fever that it caused by being such a, a big jackpot uh, is going to have a carryover effect to Powerballs, future Powerballs, and other kinds of lotteries. So today we're going to be talking about how to cure lottery fe- fever and make your own millions. And, um, you know, there may be, even though um, you probably, I mean, <laughs> I'll admit right off, uh, I bought a Powerball ticket. Of course, I always enjoy telling the person selling me the ticket, and I don't. I, I don't usually buy them. Um, but yes, I got swept up. Actually, the last two times I got caught up, and I, I only buy one ticket. And I tell the person selling me the ticket, if the universe wants me to win, I only need one ticket to do it. So, of course, that that's not what they want to hear, but. Um, Anyway, so the question is, are you, did you get swept up? I'm sure most of you, um, I would bet, I would bet, it is a form of gambling, by the way, um, most of you probably bought at least one ticket. Did you buy more than one? Did you spend too much money? Do you regret how much you spent um, after not winning? Well, you know, one of the things that people say when they fantasize about winning the lottery, it's not just about buying a new house and cars and you know, all the luxuries, taking trips and so on. It's about quitting their job. That's the first thing um, that people ask about, you know, or talk about. Oh, if I won the lottery, I would quit my job. Well, today's guest, <laughs> if, assuming all of you didn't win the lottery, <laughs> today's guest is going to um, provide the cure for you, even if you didn't win. You don't have to wait until you win the Powerball jackpot to quit your job or to find the job that you love. You can um, actually uh, make your job something that you wouldn't quit even if you did win the lottery. Because if I win the lottery, there are, I mean, I do lots of different things under the hat of a psychiatrist, and um, there are a number of those things that I wouldn't quit. I wouldn't quit my Voice America show. <laughs> I wouldn't quit being able to share with people in books and TV and so on, um, you know, psychological insights to help people with their lives. But... Um, so, you know, what is it that you would, would you still quit or why not or why? Today's guest, Pat Patterson, is a, um, a career and executive coach. He has an interesting background. Um, he has worked and still works, uh, for Hollywood Studios 
and in toy companies and um, in advertising and marketing. Um, he and he, he well, he did that full time. Presumably, he'll be able to tell you this better than I can. But he that was his main job. Let's put it that way. Um, until he decided to become, he reinvented himself and he became a reinvention coach for executives. And um, so he. <laughs> He actually walks his walks his talk. He's also been on Make Me a Millionaire Inventor on CNBC. He is the author of a book that um, is, you know, he does a number of things, and uh, this book is sort of out of the typical thing that he does. Uh, he's co-written the book Science Fiction Film Awards, but he is currently writing a book that does speak to um, this topic, which is Remade in America. That's a great a great title for a book, Remade in America. So, Pat, welcome to the show. Thanks, Carol. Good to be here. <clears throat> Interesting topic. Lottery <laughs> fever. Powerball. That's great. Did you buy a ticket? You have to tell the truth. I did not buy a ticket. You did not? Huh. I did not buy a ticket. I, I uh, You know, what immediately pops into my, my mind, just in terms of this kind of hysteria that <clears throat> swept the country, is it was just kind of right on the on the heels of Star Wars mania, you know. It's kind of like it, it seems like our country, to a certain degree, the media. There has to be something like this going on every week, you know. Yes. And uh, I, I find that, from a marketing standpoint, amazing. Yes, yes. It's almost uh, it has to be there for as a distraction from some of the yeah. more worrisome kinds of things in the news. Yeah, and this type of marketing, what what is achieved with something like uh, Powerball is, you know, kind of a, a, a not wanting to be left out kind of thing, which I think is analogous to, to what happened with Star Wars. I think a lot of people went and saw that film. Uh, I was lucky enough to work on some of the, the toys for uh, some of the original movies, the second wave of Star Wars movies, and... Uh, you know what what Disney did to make it uh, inevitable. You know these are these are events that you try to make inevitable for people, but they just feel like, oh well, I'm going to have to do this eventually. And I think yes. that's what happened with Powerball yes. this time around. Yes, or else I'll be I'll be left out. Everybody's going to be asking me about this. Everybody's going to be doing it. I don't want to be left out. Yeah, yeah. Like just now, I was a little embarrassed to admit I hadn't bought a ticket. Now, why is that? <laughs> Well, that's okay. I was embarrassed to admit I had bought a ticket. Well, <laughs> yeah, I, saved, I saved some money, and I'm embarrassed about it. <laughs> well, okay. Now, what do you think about, before we get into this whole remade stuff and how, what people should, what, buying a Powerball yeah. ticket, if the, if the re- biggest reason why you bought a Powerball ticket was to quit your job, we'll get into what, these people can do now that they haven't won. But before we sure. do that, I do want to get your opinion um, from you know all your years in advertising. Um, what do you think about? I mean, it was Powerball was all over. You know, it was all over the radio. It was it was all over everything. How? Um, well, first of all, why do you? And and we're doing, talking about it today. But I, I like to think that I'm sure. doing it from a much more uh, uh, yeah. useful perspective. But yeah. I mean, not are not urging people to go out and buy tickets. Uh, how do they manage to get all these media outlets to not just talk about the Powerball? Okay, it's one thing, you know, it's one point five billion, it's one point six billion. Okay, that's interesting. But 
the, they, the way that they do it is in a way to actually encourage people to buy tickets. How does Powerball do that? Yeah, well, you know, I mean, it's advertised, first of all, on television, so, you know, they're doing that, but <clears throat> you, you hit the nail on the head when you said the $1.5 million. So the, so the way marketing tends to work is one of the best things you can have to market is the biggest of something. Mm. You know, when we, when we would, would market uh, one of the new rides at Disneyland, when I was in marketing at Disneyland, it would be this is the longest drop of any roller coaster in the world. You know, so there's, there's something about numbers that make marketing uh, work. So when you can start having these, the first ever, uh, you know, 1.5 billion, because really the chance of winning <clears throat> is, you know, the same, and and the amount you're going to win is probably a piece of that amount. So it should you should be just as excited about it every week, you know. Mm. Or, or your state lottery, or whatever you're, you might be involved in. So, so you're right. There, there, it begins to have a life of its own, and then you know, uh, TV media, all media, really is uh, they they tend to follow each other. So once somebody's starting to talk about it, the rest of them, just like us, feeling left out by not buying a ticket, they feel left out if they haven't covered it. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, that's a good point. Well, okay, so let's talk about, um, uh, well, do you have anything, you know, <laughs> it's so interesting how um, the so many winning tickets come out to be in 7-Elevens. Talk about, <laughs> you know, talk about free advertising. Um, well, well, I think that's one of the reasons I, I don't know whether there's, I mean, I, I'm sort of at a toss-up between... <laughs> Whether I have I have sort of a conspiracy theory mindset about how it's so many tickets are bought at Seven Eleven, but then of course it could be explained by the fact that there are so many Seven Elevens, and that's a typical place where people go to buy lottery tickets. That's right, gas stations and Seven Elevens. You bet. <laughs> yeah, and, and, I, and I think you you know back to the marketing thing, the the, the visual of a line of people trying to get into a store is is the other thing that makes this. TV worthy, you know. It's, it's just it's yeah. a great way to show that. And and having done a number of products, uh, I was involved in, in some a lot of fast food merchandising, Star Wars, like I mentioned, and I also uh, the Jack in the Box. Uh, you know, they aren't all over the country, so some of your listeners might not know that chain, but it's a fast food chain out here in California. And uh, we designed an antenna ball for them, a little character, a clown character that goes on top of the antenna. And at one point, they were selling more antenna balls than they were selling food. And and we we also had that with uh, these uh, toy chihuahuas we did for for Taco Bell at one time. So so like you're saying, 7-Eleven, any retailer loves to have this kind of a gimmick that, that becomes something that you see on the news. You know, mm-hmm, I mean that's uh-huh. that's the kind of advertising you can't buy. So yes, it's a yes, very, very shrewd marketing visual, device. Visual, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Well, well, all right. Let's um, now. How? Okay. So your main—I don't know. I hope I explained it correctly. That yeah. um, you went from 
from sort of a real job, a day job, a corporate job, yeah. or jobs, um, for the studios and, and marketing and advertising and so on, to reinventing yourself, at least part of what you do now, yeah. uh, as a reinvention coach for executives. So has the Powerball and all this talk of uh, leaving your job affected any of your clients? I mean, has it, has it come up in your work? Sure. Well, that's always, I mean, quick quick background, kind of how I got into this is I was teaching yes. a, a college class called the Business of Art. And every semester I would see not only the 20-somethings that would normally be in college, but I would see middle-aged people wanting to come back and do something else with their lives. And this was kind of back during the recession 2008 or so. And that's when I realized that there was a there were a group of people that really wanted to have second careers that they that they had maybe committed themselves to a career to to pay the rent be be, be with their family do to do all the responsible things and then some at some point they reach a, a turning point in their life where maybe they got a divorce or maybe something happened to trans, the kids have left so they're empty nest. And now they do a deep soul searching of what I really want to do. Mm-hmm. So why the lottery is so uh, perfect is that's usually what lottery winners say first is I'm going to quit my job. And and one of the main questions I ask my coaching clients is, okay, if money and time were not a limitation, what would you want to do? And so it's a, it's, it is a jumping-off point of, of like, okay, if you can close your eyes and really think about that and you move out all the practical limitations that you have, where I have to live, who I have to see, my mom's sick, I have to go visit her, I have two kids, I have to do that, you know, just move all that aside, what is your, your true purpose? And we, and we work from there. So it's, it's a perfect example. Yes. Well, you know, actually, I should ask you, we should go back a bit and ask you, like, since you didn't have a reinvention coach to help you, I'm assuming, what made you leave corporate America um, to the extent that you did um, and become a reinvention coach? Yeah, well, it's a, it's a great question. What actually happened for me was I was, I took, I was teaching this class and I was doing, going along, minding my own business, <laughs> doing, doing my marketing and, and being very successful marketing in the entertainment world. And somebody asked me to be in a skit for a trade conference. They wanted me to play Simon Cowles in a parody of uh, American Idol. Oh, that's and cool, yeah. I've never done anything like that before. I've always been behind the camera. <clears throat> I've always, uh, you know, working at Disney. You know, I was, I was a behind-the-scenes guy. And something just inside of me told me to say yes to this. I just said, you know, and this is something I talk about with my clients a lot, is just listening to their intuition. Mm. And turns out I'm a big ham. I loved doing this skit. And it just triggered kind of a snowball effect of me questioning what I was doing uh, vocationally, you know, what, what, how I was making a living. And, and I did end up actually going into uh, on-air work. I did commercials. I, did, uh, I have this show that I do, this cable show. And I actually went to a coach 
a, 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 an executive coach to talk about how to do this better. And in my sessions with this executive coach, a guy named Bob Dickman, uh, he said, God, you know, you'd be good at this, Pat. And I just kind of, it was kind of one of those moments. I just went, wow, this is a great thing. And for me, at my stage in life, I'm 62, um, I, want, I wanted and am, and am fulfilling that desire to really make more of a difference in people's lives one-on-one. You know, I've, I've done mass advertising and mass merchandising and, and things that have, you know, are, are there to make money and make profit. But I really am driven and inspired by one-on-one personal transformations that I see hap- happen in my coaching. Huh, okay. Well, you know, <laughs> I think you're going to have to... I'm not sure how you made this... Ah, okay, we're going to have to take a break, so that's good. <laughs> when we come back, um, I would like you to perhaps explain a little bit more how you how playing Simon Cowell, um, I mean, I understand it got you to the, co- I mean, I thought you were going to say that it got you, you, you to want to, to uh, want to do more acting. I guess you're doing both of those. But we, when we come back, you can explain that a little more because that's kind of interesting. It all happened because I won the lottery, Carol. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Well, we do need to take a break. My guest is Pat Patterson. He is a man of all trades, <laughs> apparently. And he is the author of an upcoming book called Remade in America. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. And I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking with you today about how to cure lottery fever and make your own millions by remaking yourself. My guest is Pat Patterson. He is, uh, has a career in the 
uh, Hollywood studio, toy and advertising industry, and now is a reinvention coach for, coach for ex- executives. Um, he is also the author of a soon-to-be-published book called Remade in America. Uh, so, Pat, before the break, now, because I was trying to put all of this together, and now that you explained during the break, um, the class that you were teaching, Business of Art, was based upon your experience in the studio, you know, television, film, toy, uh, marketing, um, tie-in kind of business, um, how artists can make money from their work and not be starving artists. And then, um, and then, okay, and then you were saying that there were people of all different ages in that class, which what got you to think that you could be making changes too? Is that... Well, it it just got me in the mode and openness. I mean, I have a lot of this story on my website, patpatterson.net, if anybody wants to see a Ph.D. Well, not yet. Now we're talking. Yes, go ahead. But we, you know, what, what I have is a story where I just started saying yes to new opportunities. So I saw these people being brave enough to either say, look, I'm going to put away this career and I'm going to reach out and do something I've always wanted to do. And it gave me the courage to do the same. So, so what, I, what happened after that was, as I mentioned, I, I started getting into uh, doing commercials and on-air work, and I wanted to get some, some feedback on that. So that's when I went to this career coach and I've always done, I've always been done mentoring when I was at the studios, and I, I do a lot of volunteer work of career mentoring that I'd always just done it on the side. So this became something where he said, you know, you could do this for a living. And um, it was a time in my life when I, I wanted to change. So I, I think the thread that happens through all this, Carol, is to be open to what's coming at us and to... To, to respond to things that come up with a yes, you know, to say, uh, you know what, why shouldn't I try that? I yes, think we get very yes. pigeonholed in, in the kind of the category, the box we think we need to be in. Okay. So, <laughs> um, well, I, I, I can agree with that. It's a good thing, though, that, um, I mean, God knows what you could have been <laughs> directed into, but maybe there would have been a purpose for that. But, but you know, when you um, help your uh, people who come to you for coaching, um, I mean, I'm sure you talk to them about more than that, just say yes to whatever comes, comes your way. Well, tell us more. I mean, again, this is for people sure. who, um, who did not win the lottery but, but, and who realized how they wished they had because they really wanted to leave their job. That would be their, the biggest uh, perk in winning the Powerball yeah. or any lottery. Sure. Well, and, and, and part of it, you know, you'd mentioned in your introduction that I do this for executives, but I do it for everybody. You know, it's not just uh-huh. executives. Okay. Now I'm working with a number of what's known here in, in Hollywood as below-the-line people. Mm-hmm. So these are people that have technical skills, animators, sound engineers, um, music uh, composers, di- different people that have... Uh, below-the-line jobs, and those jobs are either going away, technology makes them obsolete, uh, so they're struggling. A lot of these people are struggling financially. 
So part of what I do with my clients is to explore what they really need to live on. So a big piece of it is financial. And can they craft what I call, have come to call a montage career, which basically is creating multiple revenue streams to be able to live your dream. So, so part of the program of my upcoming book is how you do that, how you might be sitting in a place right now where if you were to lose your job or you were to decide to quit your job, it doesn't mean you just have to go jump into another nine-to-five job, but that you can actually do something. And this isn't for everybody, but you can do something where you might have a couple of part-time enterprises that creates a whole income that you can live off of. Okay, so could you give us some the, examples? Maybe, uh, I don't know if that included yourself. I mean, so you know. Yeah, I'm doing that right now. If you were I, honest, I'm a perfect example I mean, I'm sure of a montage career. <laughs> Being honest, yeah, so, not if you were honest. You sound like an honest guy. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's, that's exactly what that I'm doing. You probably, it seems to me, may have had an advantage when you decided to um, play Simon Cowell and then become an actor and so on. Uh, in that, presumably you made a very nice living, had made a very nice living so far in the work that you did for the studios and toy companies and in marketing. So didn't and, you have like a little more leeway than a lot of people different. have? You're, you're absolutely right. So everybody's situation is different. Some people, I, I you know, some people have uh, a two-income home, you know, household. So they can adjust to that. Some people are in a place where maybe they're even getting a little Social Security or they have a pension or, or they might have other ways. Uh, so even though the financial feels like the first thing to worry about, oh, my gosh, I need to make $60,000 a year or $100,000 a year, whatever it is, you know, it's, it's knowing that <clears throat> you can design this going in rather than reacting to the situation. Yes. So we okay. we work we work with ways to to achieve that. Okay, so can you give us some examples? Well, an example would be that I have a couple of a uh, couple of clients, like I say, these blow blows the line people that <clears throat> are going to be working part time at the studios while they develop their fine art. Okay, while so they their fine work? art. Their fine art is something that's going to create an income, but it's always a catch-22. Gee, if I don't have the time to devote to my fine art, it's never going to get off the ground. So we design a plan so that they can live off the part-time work as they grow, and I help them work on growing their fine art. I I tend to work with creative people a lot. That's kind of a specialty of mine. Uh Uh-huh. You know, I have have another client that owns a yoga studio. So this person makes a good income, probably two-thirds of what she needs off of her yoga studio, and then we've designed other kinds of workshops that she can do out on the road to, to create more income. So uh-huh. if she only, you know, if she kind of was in the mindset, oh, I'm going to be a yoga teacher and I'm going to do yoga studio, oh, I'm not making enough money, I'm going to quit, and go back to work as a marketing executive, you know, she would be designing an experiment. I call these career experiments that would fail. So yeah. we, we back up and design an experiment that's going to succeed 
and you, you try these other possible selves, these possible careers for yourself, and see which one fits. And it's amazing how it works. And it's amazing how many people uh, are able to do this. And they don't really even know that they have the resources. Hmm. You know... You want to do it? Shall we do it together? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think I I do have a montage (laughs) career, actually, although I didn't know that's what it was called. But... um, you know, it's interesting. As a psychiatrist, um, I when I I often ask people what they wanted to be when they were in elementary school, when they were little kids. You know, and people ask them, "What do you What do you want to be?" And then, what did they want to be when they were, you know, in in middle school and in high school and so on? And it's so interesting to see that most of the time, people had um, dreams of being something that they're not doing now. Yeah. And they got discouraged along the way. I mean, sometimes it was there were valid reasons, you know, maybe wanting to be a right. ballet dancer and they couldn't um, you know, couldn't dance, but but a lot of times it isn't really because of some inherent inability. It's mainly because people discouraged them along the way or or they had a family sooner than they expected yeah. and, and they thought they had to do something more serious and just go and make a lot of money and they didn't have time to go to school further or whatever it is. But it's, it's so sad to see these dreams nipped in the bud. I'm sure you, that's what you must see all the time. I do, and and I appreciate you pointing that out. And and I think one of the things too is is often these deferred dreams. You're you're you succeed at the thing that you didn't want to do. I mean, some people are rewarded handsomely for a career that maybe they didn't cho- choose. They just kind of stumbled mm-hmm. into it. So it's not like that's a bad thing. Or gee, you 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 know how 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 pitiful that is that you didn't fulfill your dream. It may not have been the right time. So, so my whole philosophy is there. I have a great story of of, of Garrison Keeler interviewing Martin Sheen on Prairie Home Companion, and he asked him, "What? So, what have you been up to?" And Martin Sheen says, "Well, I'm going to college. I never never graduated college." And he said, "My God, you're 66. You're going to be 70 years old when you graduate college." And Martin Sheen looked at him and said, "I'm going to be 70 years old. 70 years old anyway." <laughs> uh huh. So this idea that it's too late or I'm behind schedule, you got to get rid of that. You know, now's the time. You 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 know, this is this is something that you can grab hold of and design for yourself. And and part of what this came out of really was the recession, the 2008 downturn, where so many people uh, lost jobs or their 401k went kablooey or their pension. And, and through these classes and then subsequently through my clients, I just saw people going, you know what, if I'm going to make a change, I'm going to try to do what I want. I may have to live off of less. I may have to downsize. A lot of people don't. A lot of people do. But I'm going to be happier. You mm-hmm. know, and so what I always ask them is just what you said in your, in your dealings is, you know, what, what was that thing you wanted to do? What, what do you hear yourself wanting to do? What are the obstacles in the way, and how can we change behavior to overcome those obstacles? So it's a very simple thing to, to figure out, not always so simple to, to do, you know, to keep, keep 
at it, but that's why coaches are important because we, you know, help people stay accountable and we help them design a plan. And usually most of my clients, it's, you know, four or six sessions. It's not like something ongoing. It's a very specific uh, goal to create a plan that then they can go execute. Huh. What about when someone um, tells you that either their childhood dream or their dream now, um, you know, their new dream or a childhood dream, is to do something that you know um, is not very realistic? Like I gave the example of a yeah. ballet dancer, you know, something yeah. that, how do you sort of break it to them or what do you do? Yeah, well, and because I focus on creative people a lot, that's a, that happens a lot. And and so, you know, the person that wants to, to, to be a dancer or, or in my case I'm acting, you know. So 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 my my own example is a good one. I I established realistic goals in my acting and when I started doing it at age fifty five, my goal was to be on a national television show as an actor by the time I was sixty. So oh. I gave my I gave myself five years to do it and let go of it and I went Okay, this is going to be fun. I'm, I'm not going to get too uptight about this process. And within six months, I'd achieved my goal. I was, wow. I was five and a half years ahead of schedule, <laughs> or four uh-huh. and a half years ahead of schedule. And so, so, and I didn't adjust the goal. I went, good. Now it's all gravy from here. You know, I don't, uh-huh. I don't get to go, okay, well, that was, that was too low of a goal. Now I need to, I need to win an Oscar now. You know, I, just, <laughs> I, I, I had fun with this. And I think... In your your example of, of the ballet dancer, I I point out that not everybody gets to be a, a, a major league baseball player, but there are lots of people that have fun playing baseball in the minor leagues, and they get to play for the love of the game. So so some of those things, particularly with a montage career, we decide what's really realistic in terms of you know what you're going to do what managing your own expectations what's going to enhance your income what's going to be the thing that pays things and then let's make this the, the passion piece let's make that ballet dancing or uh painting or sculpting or writing whatever that creative endeavor may be uh something a little more realistic you know maybe maybe you're maybe you're helping out at a ballet school locally you know, as well as taking classes. You know, there there are mm-hmm. other things to do rather than being a part of the uh, Russian ballet. Mm-hmm. And okay. still have fun. Still follow your passion. Okay. Yes. What are some of the um, major obstacles? The typical. What keeps coming up um, as obstacles? I mean, you mentioned money, and I w- yes, I would think that would be um, a big obstacle, especially if I mean, I would think that people don't necessarily want to to whatever whatever um, style they have become accustomed to, whether that's at fifty thousand a year or a hundred thousand or five hundred thousand a year. Yeah. Um, they wouldn't. Many people wouldn't want to lower that. I mean, they don't. The trade probably is a difficult step to get over. You know, having yeah. To, well, then that's the probably the main and and, and rent department. To, to pursue these other things. Yeah, and, and that's one of the main uh, attributes of, of being in coaching is we really find out, you said, they wouldn't want to, you know, do less, live on less. 
maybe they haven't explored that, you know. So the, so the number one obstacle, to get back to your question, and, and I have this, uh, this is what my book is about, is these ten gifts that you give yourself to achieve these things. Hmm. It's, it's the number one thing is giving yourself permission to do it. That's, that's the number one obstacle is people just don't allow themselves the permission, and that's often tied to self-esteem or just uh, the story people have told themselves about who they are. Uh, you know, they just it, they aren't able to just go, I am worth doing this, and then commit to it. Not commit uh-huh. to it in a stressful way, but commit to it in a way that I get to give myself this gift. And And then we drill down into what some of the other obstacles might be, like you're discussing the more practical ones of time, money, space, uh, uh, friends and family, associates, you know, who's going to support this, who isn't. Uh, We get into networking, who can help with who do you know or who can you reach out to that will help you kind of embed this new uh, reinvented, remade self. And then we get into... You know, what's the plan to achieve that remade self and then executing that plan? And so there's all sorts of uh, ways to to work around those obstacles. The primary one is our own own inner voices saying you can't do it. Yes, yes. You're not good enough to be whatever it is that you had dreamed of. Well, we need to take another break. When we come back, we will... uh, get into maybe some more of these obstacles and how to overcome them um, and uh, so that people can, <laughs> can do, make these changes even though they didn't win the lottery. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. My guest is Pat Patterson. Um, I'm your psychiatrist host, and we'll be right back. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. We're talking about the lottery and uh, what you can do if you didn't win it, but actually it's 
uh, it's a good clue for you if the first thing you were going to do if you won either the big Powerball recently or any lottery in the future, if the first thing you're thinking of is, oh, great, now I could change my job if I uh, win, then that's a big clue for you that maybe you should be thinking of changing your job or adding to your job, making a montage, as my guest Pat Patterson says. Um, anyway, without winning it. Um, you know, during the break, Pat, you were starting to tell me about this a neighbor that you had who did win a lottery. Um, tell us that story. Yeah, well, uh, he he at the time this was just the the California lottery when it first started out, and I, as I recall, it was one point two million that he won, and uh, he was a uh, antique dealer. And he had a store, you know, that, that's what he did at family. And, and he got out of that business and, and I lost track of him. He, he took off and, uh, to parts unknown, which I think is pretty common with these lottery winners, you know, and I've, but I also know that those stories can go horribly awry, unfortunately. And I, I think, I think we were talking a little bit about you know, have people make these abrupt, uh, abrupt uh, transitions, and it's hard to suddenly be mega rich. You know, I, I think everybody's probably thinking, "Yeah, well, give me that kind of problem," but you know, just any kind of identity transition can can throw a curve. Uh huh. Do you know if he did he quit his uh, antique business? He did. He quit his business. He 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 packed up and. And uh, as I say, moved moved out of this place where he was my neighbor, and uh, hopefully has had a happy life. But but it, you know, just in terms of it being a, an abrupt change overall for him, it was. You know, it, it made him want to start new things. And I Hi. and I think, you know, no, I just think that part of you know our our conversation is these transitions can happen, uh, you know, we're, we're a society that tends to focus on accomplishment. Uh, you know, what have you done lately? What's your latest project? What's your, you know, for some people that's their career. A lot of people that may be their family or their kids. You know, they, we, we know parents that live vicariously through their, their children's accomplishments. So this idea of, you know, having an identity based on work, you know, you talked about, we were talking about some of the obstacles uh, people have uh, in doing this remade program, uh, that can be a big one, you know, is, is moving out of my identity, I'm a lawyer, I'm a doctor, I'm a marketing executive in my case, into something else is, 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 can be very traumatic. Yes. Um, yes, well, <laughs> you know, and I guess you also uh, alluded to, you were, you were saying one of the things that you talk to your, the people you coach about is um, like family and friends and who's going to support you. That's one of the hard things, too, because people who... Um, who want you to keep, for example, not just, it's not just about money, but like oftentimes I'll bet, uh, it's people who want you to keep, who want you to stay in this secure, uh, job as opposed to giving up some or all of it and painting pictures and hoping that you're going to become a famous yeah. artist. 
Well, and it might even not even be that financial thing. They just want you in that safe category. Yes. You know, you, you're somebody that does this in my life, you know. Uh, I, I, I imagine you have some of that in, in your profession, you know, uh, where if, if you were to tell somebody, gee, now I'm going to go become a musical theater star, there would be some people that would go, you, don't, you can't do that. You know, and there would be some people that maybe had heard you sing before. I'm just making this up. But that would say, boy, you'd be good at that. So I, I counsel my clients to, to vet who they're going to share their dream with. Don't just share it with everybody because you're going to have a lot of people rain on your parade. There's no reason to go uh, to a certain well expecting certain type of water and know you're not going to get it. You know, yeah. and, and unfortunately, our families can be a primary uh, uh, perpetrator of that. They have us all buttoned up in a category, and they won't let us expand and grow. Yes, well, especially when it's something that people have had to go to school for or train for for many years, um, and parents have paid for that, and then they say, you're going to what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and when I when I did, it's interesting. When I did my my uh, executive and transition coaching, there were a lot of doctors becoming transition coaches, and and you would think, boy, if anybody has a secure financial uh, situation, it would be a doctor. And uh, can you you know the amount of school they go through, you know, and and to suddenly go, you know what, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to do this, but they were they're burnt out, and and they don't like. You know, for whatever reason, the healthcare system isn't what it was when they started out, and and so I, I really took note of that. That there's, you know, certain professions um, that have a high burnout factor, no matter how much has been invested. You know, no yeah. matter how. You know, you're going to be 70 anyway, like Martin Sheen said. <laughs> right, right. Well, it is true, actually. Um, there are a lot of doctors leaving medicine, especially with Obamacare coming, and it's, it isn't like it used to be. You know, I mean, with all the insurance, Obamacare plus insurance, other kinds of insurance, um, the well, restrictions that have been put on, which make doctors not be able to spend as much time with their patients and so on unless they... Uh, you know, they can't afford to pay their overhead if they're going to, um, unless they live by the rules that the insurance companies set up. And, um, I mean, yes, there are a lot of people, a lot of doctors who are depressed, who are disillusioned. Uh, this isn't what they went to medical school for. Um, and, and, yes, they are looking for other things that, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's interesting because there are things that they wanted to be maybe before or in addition to going to medical school, and yet they went to medical school, concentrated on that, and now that medicine hasn't turned out to be as uh, all they were hoping, um, that it is time to revisit these other ideas. And, and that's going to happen to all of us. I mean, the, the, the world changes so quickly now that no matter what field you're in, I mean, I was, I've been in television, entertainment marketing all of my life, it's a totally different world right now. And, and I was very successful in keeping up with most of it, but there does come a time where you kind of, you know, I, at least for me, can only speak for myself, where, where do I really want to extend this, this, expend this energy that I have? You know, I have years left, hopefully many years left, but, but what do I really want to put my, uh, 
my my time and treasure towards it it really i would prefer it be something that that's more true to my calling and what I, what feels best in my heart of hearts and and designing a way around that a way to do that yes. and and i think i think linear success you know there's just something our society values uh you know long term relationships long term marriages long term careers it, it, the world just isn't built that way anymore. You know, most jobs last for two to three years. You know, most uh, uh, industries, you know, you think of many industries that, that television is one of them, uh, they, have, they are completely turned upside down maybe every 10 to 20 years, and that's accelerating. So, yeah. so the pr- purpose of my program is you have to stay flexible. Even if you're not, get, not getting out of a different career, <clears throat> or if you're not creating a different career, you can use my program to stay relevant in your existing career because it's all about reinventing yourself and not getting too tied to your past uh, uh, glories and triumphs. Yes, and let, I want to make sure, because we're kind of um, running out of time, I want to make sure that we give out the, your website again. Uh, it's patpatison.net, which is P-A-T-P-A-T-T-I-S-O-N.net. Um, right. I, just, I have a question, a quick question. Um, when you, uh, you said it's four to six sessions usually, but do you um, have like set up something where they come back to you in six months or a year or do you just kind of leave it up to them? Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, I, I kind of leave it up to them, but there is follow-up. Usually I communicate via email. How's it going? You know, what, what you know, mm-hmm. t- tell me what you've done on your list of things. Uh, what, what are the, uh, inevitably we're designing what I call career experiments. How many of these experiments have you tried? What did you find by them? And, and it's really uncanny, Carol, how it's a living organic thing, a career transition. You know, it's, it really is about balancing life. So a lot of people come to me that think they want a new job, and what we end up designing is a more balanced life. The, the huh. job is the thing that is kind of a symptom of a, a life out of balance, but we kind of come up with things that have to do with uh, fun and recreation, relationships. It's, it's, a, it's kind of a package deal. Oh, that's that's really very interesting. Yes, I could kind of see that. That um, it isn't so, in some cases it isn't so much the job. It's like it's something that isn't being fulfilled by the job that you could add to their life. Yeah, and, I mean, and not establishing just, not specifically for the purpose of making money or for changing careers, but um, but even just adding um, so that it makes their whole package seem happier. Very much so, and and like we said earlier, what what. What parameters do I want to live within and things that I want to achieve that aren't just what other people want me to achieve, but what I want to achieve? Yes. So when is your new book, Remade in America, coming out? Well, hopefully it's going to be sometime this summer, and I'm just finishing it up. I've got somebody I'm working with, uh, Shirley Neal, who's an old uh, television associate, and, and right now we're going through some case histories. We've got some people that we're talking to that have done this successfully. The, the bulk of the book is done, uh, and if people go to my website, they can sign up to get the newsletter, and they'll know when it's coming out. Oh, cool. 
Yes, I was thinking that the case studies, because that's important, too, for people to see that other people have actually take, taken these risks and that it worked out well, that it was all worthwhile in the end. My, my, my favorite one that I have is a NASA scientist who's now a Philharmonic musician. Oh, my God. <laughs> and, and he was taking lessons... Is that what he wanted to do originally, or what? Yeah, I mean, it's part of, yeah, he was what he started doing. Uh, I have a banker that uh, is... No, I mean, did he want to do that when he was a little boy? He, he did, yeah. That was a, he's a classic example of, of somebody that, you know, he kept this as a side passion, but then figured out how to make it a career. And, oh. a, and a, a, bank, a banker who's now a very successful uh, uh, young adult, author uh-huh you know so these these are all, all <laughs> you know, I mean, he's not a young adult he's an author for young adults is that what you're that's saying? a category yeah if you know anything about publishing <laughs> young 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 adult is a category of, of novels right, right. Yeah. She's, she's become very successful at that and ben was was in the banking industry before uh-huh and then yeah. and then i have another case history of a man who's an old associate of mine at disney who has been at Disney booking the music, Disneyland booking the music talent, a guy named Stan Fries, but has kept this job for 42 years. Wow. So he didn't, I don't talk to him about career change, obviously, but how do you stay current in the music industry for 42 years mm. and, and know what kind of music to book so the teenagers want to come, come to Disneyland? And his is a fascinating story about, you know, staying up to date and staying relevant. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, so it's something, something anybody can do at any age. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Pat. That was really interesting, and I'm sure it helped my listeners to feel um, uh, better about not winning the lottery, and maybe I'm sure it's been making some of them think about, hopefully all of them think about, whether, uh, in fact, that's the first thing they would want to do if they won to change their job. And I'll say to all of you, if that is it, I hope that today's show uh, is is starting you in the right direction and certainly at least thinking in the right direction that maybe it's you don't need to wait <laughs> until you win yeah. the lottery because that, that be, may be, not be, happen. Being, being, being happy and fulfilled is winning a lottery. Yes, that's right. So, Pat Pattison, thank you. Again, Pat's website is patpattison.net, P-A-T-T-P-A-T-T-I-S-O-N.net. Thank you so much, and thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. 